On today's episode of Gifts from God, we're talking to Kristen, a mom who literally saw a sign and knew she needed to foster. But things didn't go exactly as planned. Here's my conversation with Kristen. So before we jump into um, adoption and the adoption story, um, let's start with what your family looked like before adoption. Okay. Um, so it was just myself and my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, we, with no um, real intention, like when we got married, of getting into fostering or adoption, it wasn't something that we had talked about or that had crossed our minds or been part of the conversation. Um, when we got married, I had a job where I was on the road all the time, and he works uh, continental shift work at the airport in Toronto, so it's not something that would have even fit with our lifestyle. And um, our, yeah, we had like financial goals and travel goals and not really family goals at that point. Um, probably probably pretty average 20-something. Okay. Um and uh, I literally drove by a sign on the main road in Cambridge, which is where we live. They have um, one of those big, like you can rent them with the letters that you move around mm-hmm. on them, signs out in front of Family and Children's Services that says, like, call this number, be a foster parent. And I was having one of those days where I was like, oh, I'm on the road all the time. And, like, do I really need to be doing this? Like, working so much and being gone all the time so that I can afford a house that I'm not in because I'm in hotels and working all the time. <laughs> and I literally pulled over on the side of the road and like hadn't had a conversation with my husband or anything and <laughs> called this 1-800 number and was like, I want more information. <laughs> and uh, they were like, oh, if you want more information, come out to this foster parent information night. At this point, it was like maybe possibly in this moment. I think maybe I'll talk to my husband about possibly fostering was kind Mm -hmm. of as far as that thought process had gone. (laughs) So we went out to a foster parent information night and... So wait, first go back to when you tell your husband you made this phone call. (laughs) What was that conversation like? Um, I have Bryce's, my husband's name is Bryce. He's pretty agreeable and he's, I, I joke, he's pretty down for my um, surprise adventure. So uh, I came home and mentioned it and he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, so I would like quit my job and I, my university education was in business Mm -hmm. and I wasn't using it. I was in sales. And uh, his mom has a small accounting firm and she'd like been mentioning for a long time that she would like love it if I would come work for her because then she could start to slow down. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so I would like quit my job and I would work for your mom and we would be foster parents. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. And I don't think it was super surprising to him because when we were engaged, I came home one day and was like, I found this old duplex that's completely run down and needs to be gutted. And I think we should use all the money we were going to use for a wedding and buy it and, <laughs> and have a rental property and renovate it ourselves. So we'd had some of these kind of like, Kristen had a gut feeling and we're all jumping on board adventures in the past, just never involving children. <laughs> um. So he was like, all right, let's go to this information night. And um, I think he was maybe 
extra agreeable to it because he, when he was growing up, his parents, they didn't foster or adopt, but they did like weekend respite for okay. special okay. needs families. So he, he had some exposure to it. Um, now, had you had any exposure to it? I didn't think so at the time because I'd never known anyone in foster care and I'd never foster, like our family had never fostered or anything. Um, but I actually, my mom does have adopted brothers and adopted cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just because they had been part of the family as long as I've been alive, I never really thought of it that way until mm-hmm. I was adopting because they were adopted as babies. And I mean, before my mom was even born. So mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it wasn't anything that was like an adjustment in my life. Um, right. But I do, in my family, I do think adoption is maybe normalized to the point that I didn't even really realize it. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so um, now you go to this you go to this meeting. Yeah, so we went to this meeting and like it was at they have a family center in Kitchener that we'd never been to before and um it was just like a lot of couples at it. Most of them kind of seemed more interested in adoption. We found that along our journey to foster that there there seemed to be a lot of people who had it in their heads that it would be like way too hard to get attached to a child mm-hmm. and then have them move on. So they were very focused on adoption. And ironically, at that point, we were the opposite. We were like, wouldn't it be so cool if we could be like this helpful spot in someone's life? We're going to foster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we went to that meeting and one of the youth who was talking at it was talking a lot about signing up to do respite and that that's a good way. He kept using the the words taste test, I guess, to kind of like get people to look at it without thinking of it as this huge commitment. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was like, yeah, you could, um, you could like taste test fostering and do respite and do weekends. And we were like, oh, that would maybe be a good way to like dip our toe in it. And then we talked to the worker who came out and she was like, we don't train people to do respite. You have to commit to fostering. (laughs) That's uh that was a great idea that that 16-year-old we asked to speak had, but it's not something we do. <laughs> so we were like, oh, okay, and they kind of walk you through it pretty nicely in the sense that I don't think we ever really felt like we were making this big decision. They were just like, so if you felt like that went okay, then we'll send someone else to your house and they'll talk to you. And then the next thing we know, we have somebody out at our house and they're like, okay, so this is like the beginning of the, and we were like, oh, we began. That was so easy. <laughs> Um, it just kind of felt natural. It didn't really feel like it was like this big shift we were making, even though it it, it is, in retrospect, a big shift that you make. So would, would you give someone advice um, to just do one step at a time and not, not worry about the big picture, just worry about the next step? I would say that that's fabulous advice, not necessarily always in my nature, so probably... <laughs> ironic advice coming from me um but in like in this case in this kind of fostering journey for us that's how it's gone um by total coincidence I guess because in most aspects of my life I'm like I want to plan a thousand years in advance (laughs) So, so then you had the meeting and then you would go into pride training so what was that like uh it was it was good it was Looking back, probably our first step towards adoption, even though we weren't even thinking of adoption, most of the people in our Pride's training class 
were looking to adopt. And we stayed in touch with several people from the class, and most of the people who are still active in some way is because they adopted. Not many of the foster parents ended up sticking around that were in the class. Mm -hmm. But um, a few classes in, I don't, um, you're probably familiar, Toronto does like a big adoption resource exchange. Mm -hmm. Kitchener does their own small version of that, or they did four years ago. And it had been in the room that our training was in the day before. So there was kind of like some leftover kid science project looking bristol boards in the corner with kids' pictures on them the night that we were there. And it was actually kind of really sad the way it was like shoved in the corner. And it wasn't, I've never been to the Toronto one, but from what I understand, it's like well-researched and there's binders and there's classes. Like this wasn't like this. This looked like tables pushed around the side of a room with like, Bristol board made things with eight by 10 school shots of kids taped onto them. And uh, there was a sibling set that was kind of like in the front. And I was like, Oh, that just like, we have two bedrooms and we don't have any other kids. And like, we could totally like be a good Avenue for these kids, this particular sibling set. And, but we were like, but we're not like adoption is like a huge commitment. I don't know that we're, there but I did call the like workers number that was on the page handout that were kind of like left sitting there and not even really meant for us and said well we're not not open to adoption but we're not necessarily looking to adopt and these kids were young teens uh pre-teens um but we would like we have enough bedrooms and we're in foster parent training we would be willing to foster them and like see where it goes, see if they want to be adopted and be open to that. And we thought in our minds for these kids, that might be a particularly good avenue because they'd had a failed adoption. Mm -hmm. We thought maybe they'll be more receptive to, well, you're going to live here for as long as you want to, (laughs) as opposed to this is an adoption and that hasn't worked for you in the past. And we were told like that, that's nice of you lady, but that's like not how this works. You don't get to be like two weeks into your pride training and pick a kid out from a presentation that wasn't meant for you and call and request them. So thanks, but no thanks. Go back to your pride training. So we did. Went back to our pride training. Um, We finished that up. We fostered for a year and a half. And how, Um, how many children did you foster in that year and a half? We had... A few that were just like like really short term, like we covered a weekend, but mm-hmm. really it was two children, one who we had for the better part of a year, who was a preteen, and one um, that we had for just under six months, who was younger than the age that we would even agree to take. I'm, I do taxes for a living, and we got a call on May 1st, which is like the first day I can breathe of a two-month busy season. <laughs> saying, like, would you consider taking this five-year-old to foster? Um, She's in school full-time. So I know you don't really take five-year-olds, but she's in school full-time, so you could still work full-time, so it would work for you. And we thought, well, okay, well, whatever. Today I clean the house, so we're totally up for a new kid tonight. (laughs) And um, she came, and um, it all kind of ties together later, but... That child's 
worker for fostering actually ended up being the worker of the child that we've adopted, and it's kind of who orchestrated everything for us. <laughs> and that's how we met her by taking this five-year-old to foster that we like that wasn't even in our realm of what we could do. <laughs> um, and she showed up, and she'd been with us for two days. And I take her to kindergarten, and her school informs me that not only is she not in full-time kindergarten, they don't even offer full-time kindergarten. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So we kind of shuffled, and luckily, like, I do work for a small family business, and the way my husband shifts works, we managed to kind of fill the gaps, because we were, like, our, when we called Family and Children's Services, it was like, well, okay, can you give us two weeks to find another home for her? And we were like, well, well, she has, like, a bedroom here now. We're not making a move her. We just don't know what we're going to do. We don't have a plan. So mm-hmm. that fell together as though it was meant to be, even though it was like a checklist of things that we said we weren't doing. Um, and I mean, she, that, that five-year-old is now 11 and still comes and spends holidays with us. So I mean, oh, wow. I wouldn't change that for the world. She's, and she's with her bio family and doing really well, like an example of somebody who used that time to turn things around for themselves. So that ended up being a a really cool um, fostering experience for us that what, that I kind of cling to when we have not so good experiences, <laughs> um, and ended up being this way that we met our daughter now um, because they that child happened to have the same uh, crown word worker as the child that we've adopted. So we had um, both these girls, five-year-old went home in the fall, and then over Christmas holidays, we were transitioning our preteen that we were fostering back home, and um, I was on Family and Children's Services' website because we had decided with a group of our friends to do their, they have an adopt-a-family program where you, like, you don't know who the family is, but they'll tell you, like, the kids' ages and what their Christmas wish list is, and then you basically buy Christmas presents for this whole family, but, like, specifically for them not knowing them. So I had been on the website signing up for that because we were going to do that with a group of our friends, and there was, at the time, our agency did videos Mm -hmm. of kids who were maybe harder to place that were looking for homes, and the the same sibling set showed up in a little video that was kind of like around, I like wasn't something I was looking for. It just kind of showed up on the website when I was looking for this adopt for family, adopt a family for Christmas thing. And I watched it and it's the same kids that were on this Bristol board a year and a half ago when we were in our pride training. And there's a number to call. So I called that number and said like, you know, these kids are still not, in a forever home, it's been a year and a half, like a year and a half ago, I said they could come be here. We're qualified foster parents and we, you know, work with you guys and do the counseling and see where it goes. And again, the person whose like number was on that video said like, no lady, like that's not how it works. We, you have to be pre-approved for adoption. You don't get to just like see a video and be like, this is kismet because I saw these kids a year and a half ago and now I'm seeing them again at Christmas time, just when our bedrooms are being emptied to kids going home <laughs> and available I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Um, so it all, like, to me, it was like, this is the perfect time, and I have a leg to stand on, because it's been a year and a half, and you guys didn't mm-hmm. find a home for these kids. So obviously, it's time to be a little bit more flexible in our how-this-is-going-to-work situation. And uh, I was shot down again, same same sort of thing, like, you're, which, which, I mean, there's rules for a reason, and I totally mm-hmm. understand that. But, like, again, we can't just have people calling and requesting children. <laughs> that aren't approved to be adopted. This is not how it's going to go. And then shortly after Christmas, we got a call back and the worker of that little girl that we were like never supposed to foster because she wasn't even the right age group and made me not work full time (laughs) um, was the worker for this sibling group. And she was like, I'd like a note got left on something saying that this Kristen and Bryce had called in and we told them no. And I was like, wait a second. We're like looking all over the province. We can't find a home for these kids. And we have a home that we know like 10 minutes driving from our office that has had teenager preteens in it before that is interested. And we're just like shutting them down. So the worker called us. Yeah. Yeah. But because it's a big, bureaucracy it's like this is not how the rules follow and it took a person being like well no 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 like I know these people and I know these kids and this is a really good match and I'm going to go to bat for it and it was a little bit of an uphill battle the whole way through um right from when we had the uh, original meeting um the adoption had like not been brought into the loop and child services had said like well, we could place these kids like foster to adopt and that would give you some time to figure things out. And then kind of adoption showed up at this meeting and was like, wait a second, how do you have like this? This is not how this works. So there was a little bit of that like grind where we were just doing things against the grain um, and it wasn't going over maybe that wonderfully from a paperwork point of view, but it was going really well from a in our house, how things work point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we started with, it was a sibling set that had had some issues and they weren't really sure if the best thing because some of the trauma that had happened in the past was for the sibling set to live together or not to live together. But there was two siblings in the set that hadn't been living together and they wanted to try. So we took those two siblings and at that point we were like, we're amazing because we came up with this like crazy plan that was totally against everything and it's working (laughs) and we'd been really lucky that the kids that we had fostered were so much better in our house than on paper like they had all these behavioral problems that we were reading about that was kind of scary up front to read about but then in actuality we never saw anything anywhere near as scary as the paperwork made it sound so we were kind of on like a high of we're going to be so awesome at this not only are we going to have these two kids move in that the agency doesn't even know if they should live together and aren't sure why they're letting them live with us because we're not approved to adopt yet. (laughs) But we're probably also going to have the other siblings move into eventually because it's just going to come together for us. Um, And it was a really hard blow when it didn't. The two siblings that were living with us, it it ended up being some um, psychiatric intervention and they decided that that just it wasn't a safe situation and that what was going to be best for the kids is for them to have openness and stay in touch, but not live every day in the same home because it was just too much shared trauma, which was really hard for us as a family because it felt like a big failure at the time. And um, 
I had taken a leave from work to be home all the time with the kids. So for me, it kind of felt like this is what I'm doing as my full-time job and I'm failing at it because what we thought was going to work didn't work. And it took us a little bit of time to rebound from that. But we did still have Courtney in our home, who's our daughter now and is one of the siblings in that sibling set. And uh, continued to foster, to adopt and have that placement with her and work through with her kind of how she felt about being adopted uh, without her other siblings and um, just being adopted in general because she had had a failed adoption um, with a family that she was with for years and was apprehended from. So it was a fairly traumatic experience. And how old was she at this point? So she was 13. Okay. Yeah. And she was with a family um, for almost five years until she was 11. So like the bulk of the childhood that she remembers. Wow. Um, and uh, she, it, we had kind of a couple months where it was a little bit of a struggle, I think, for everyone to get around that that had not worked out. I think it was a little bit of a struggle for her in the sense that things were going a lot better with just her living in the house. But I think there was a lot of guilt attached to that. Um, and um, we got through that couple of months and then uh, all of a sudden it was kind of like a switch and she started like her grades were getting better at school, her friendships were getting better. Um, she just, once she kind of had our full attention to herself and didn't kind of have those other day-to-day trauma-filled issues in front of her, um, she really started to thrive. And it was, I think, a little bit weird for all the not psychological professionals that were involved because we kind of had this siblings need to stay together thing in our head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, looking back, it had become, has become so much of a success where we, at the time, felt like we were swimming in this failure. So we're, you know, thrilled that that's how that started to go for her. And, um, she's 17 now. Oh, so wow. it's been, yeah, so it's been four years since that happened. And, um, we actually just got served the final papers for her adoption on Monday this week. So it was a long process. From that, that is a very long process. Yeah. Um, I think because that there was a past adoption and several siblings involved and her age and everyone wanted to make sure to get it right. And that this was going to stick and be forever. Um, she has, I think, I think it was a relief to finally get that paperwork. She's been using our last name at school and, like, communicating with friends as though this is her forever family for years now. Okay. Um, but this was kind of a, the final seal on it. <laughs> and so at 17, like, there's more understanding, obviously, of what that means um, it's, and celebrating it. But was it difficult for her? or um, to leave some of that behind, like to move on um, when it was finalized, or was it just a relief? Um, I think that this week, and we only went to court on October 22nd, so when that, like when the court date happened, because she wanted to be in court, Mm -hmm. um, which 
with part of it taking longer because that's not how most adoptions are done in our area. Normally you just get a letter. Um, but that was something that to her was going to make it really different from last time because she was going to go to court and be part of it and mm-hmm. not just be told this is where you live now. <laughs> so we really advocated for that and were able to be in court. Um, that, like this fall when that's happened, it's all gone really well. Last fall in November is when we signed our finalization. So I don't know how familiar everyone who's listening would be with kind of the steps to adoption, but you kind of, you you take steps that to people who aren't familiar with adoption sound like that's the end and it's finalized several yeah. times yeah. <laughs> and then wait for the next one. <laughs> Uh, so she had been placed for adoption with us years before, and then it was fostered to adopt for a long period of time. And then in the fall of last year, we signed to finalize her adoption, which sounds very final, but is actually not. It's just the finalization of her being in foster care, really. Mm-hmm. And then there was an entire year, almost 11 months for us from finalizing at Family and Children's Services to finalizing in court that you're kind of in this no man's land. Um, When we finalized last fall, I had actually just found out that I was pregnant. So not only was she coming out of foster care, we had kind of planned that once her adoption was done, we were going to think about maybe having biological children also. And that happened a little sooner than we had planned. So we had a lot going on last fall where now there was going to be a baby. And she was not going to have a worker anymore, and she was going to be out of foster care. And there was a little chunk of time there that it's hard to say what it was really connected to. It started right after we signed those finalization documents, and it went on for five or six weeks. Um, And I think it was her just kind of getting her head around, like, what does all this change mean, and what does it mean that there's going to be a baby now and me now and her worker was not only not going to be her worker was also retiring and had been her life for a really long time so there was just a lot of change and uh, she took a few weeks to process it and then it was kind of like a again like a light switch like it was like one day she was just great (laughs) and the um kind of outward signs of trauma that we were seeing were not happening anymore I think for her, part of it might be that she loves holidays, which I know is not always typical for kids who have been in foster care or that are adopted. Um, I'm on some different um, like online groups where I know at holidays and back to school and change, I hear a lot of like our house is in turmoil. And our experience with that, with Courtney, has been the opposite, that she's really embraces it and really is at an age where she understands and is really appreciative of being part of a family and part of this holiday and do all the things she didn't get to do before. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went full swing into Christmas and that was that. She was no longer too, um, too stuck in being concerned about what was going on and started to get a little bit more excited for when she was going to be able to have a passport in her new name and when she was going to not have to get her paychecks in her legal last name, but she could get them in her adopted last name and all those kind of little practical reminders Mm -hmm. that I think 
stick out for kids. I mean, yeah. she's been with us yeah. for four years. And um, and she'd been working somewhere for two years, and she was like, every paycheck and every time I go to the bank, it's in my old last name. Like, I just want to change that. <laughs> uh, so all of that has kind of happened this fall. <laughs> so now that, and now that you have your baby, and how is that now that you have biological children and adopted children in the same home? Uh, great. I think that the age difference is probably hugely helpful because mm-hmm. they're not... I don't know if it would go as well if she, if she was little and felt like she was like in competition with this baby because mm-hmm. even with biological siblings that can sometimes be hard. Um, she's a fabulous big sister. Like she comes in after school and it's like, hand me the baby. I want I want Jasper. <laughs> um, even to the point where sometimes like she'll be playing with him and he'll have a poop and I'm pretty careful to not a lot of baby responsibilities on her at her age mm-hmm. and I'll be like okay I'll go change and she's like no because you might not give them back I'm going to change them <laughs> so it's um it's worked out really well it's like most things on the journey it was kind of when we realized that the change was happening we all seemed to worry a little bit and then like as it actually happened it couldn't have gone better so for people, a lot of people, when they think adoption, they immediately think baby, right? So what advice would you give to people to think outside of the baby box um, and uh, and to be looking at older kids? What advice would you give to them? Personally, I think that adopting older children has some huge benefits that you don't get um, when you're looking at adopting a baby. And I... I should preface, like, we obviously just had a biological baby. Your outlook on this might be very different if it, if you're having fertility issues that are bringing you mm-hmm. to this decision and, you're, and you don't want to miss out on having a baby experience in your life. Um, but for an older child, you, you do hear a lot of families that um, there's surprises later, years after the adoption. And I... I don't want to turn anyone off of adoption because of that, because there's also surprises years later with biological children. <laughs> um, and, you know, medical things or psychological things or just the person that they are. Where, as when Courtney came into our lives, she was really developed who she was as a person to some degree. Uh, and it was a lot, I found it was a lot easier to have her live with us and go like, wow, this is a match. We all really get along and we all really appreciate each other. And we um, kind of almost like a halfway between like when you meet a friend and you're determining if this is a human that you like spending time with (laughs) and, and a child, like obviously we're still parenting her, but I think when you're spending time with a six month old, you're not, going to be able to get a real sense of like this six month old really like fits in well with our whole family and their kind of person meshes well with who we are Um, where with adopting through foster care and older children especially like a fostering and then adopting as opposed to foster to adopt situation you she had lived with us for months. We knew that it was a match that we could stand each other on a day-to-day basis, that, you know, all those things that um, you just can't determine with a baby yet. 
And I think that it's made our match really strong because of it, because she was part of the choice. She was old enough to understand that this is something that she wants and appreciates and that she could feel that she was somebody that we wanted and appreciated. And she, I mean, on different levels between 13 and 17, but can have conversations about it. Um, where I find that with, and I've obviously I've never adopted a younger child, but to me that almost seems more like an arranged marriage situation where it's like we pair you and then you make it work. (laughs) (laughs) Where with an older child, you, you're making it work together and they're part of the experience. And uh, it's been just really cool even to see the growth in those, like that preteen to teen years Um, from like a, counseling point of view even I know her counselor in the beginning told us that that preteen age gap that everyone's so terrified of (laughs) is actually other than when they're babies the next best time where their brain is changing and developing and that you can make a real difference in kind of how they think and how everything is happening there so it for us it worked out amazingly and it's given us a really cool relationship and it's Um, I mean, even with the extended family, it's given our parents and siblings a chance to be grandparents and aunts and uncles to someone who is so much older than what would maybe naturally happen. Like, she goes snowboarding with her grandparents and stuff, where when (laughs) Jasper is her age, they'll, you know, they'll be in their 70s, not 50s. That's going to be a very different relationship. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all the stories with us. It's really encouraging. Um, Before we go, last question. You want to pray for your family today. So if we could pray for you, what is one thing you would like us to pray for with your family today? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I, I think right now, and it's something that, we're exploring a little because um, Courtney is actually in the process of converting to Roman Catholic, so she's Mm -hmm. spending a lot of time at the church every Tuesday night. (laughs) Um, And very aware of some of the kids that she grew up with in care homes that aren't finding forever families. I think that she and us would think it amazing if... um, this could bring about other people thinking about adopting mm-hmm. teens. So maybe if we could pray that um, that some people uh, maybe consider opening their homes to teens, even mm-hmm. if it's just from a fostering point of view with the openness to seeing where it goes, because mm-hmm. even though that's not how on paper <laughs> they like to see it work, it, it can happen. <laughs> Yes, that, that's actually exactly why we're doing this series right now, because I want people to, um, I think people think adoption, they think, oh, if you can't have kids biologically, then you can adopt a baby. And that's like their concept of adoption. But it's so much bigger than that. That's like such a tiny, tiny, tiny picture of adoption. So, yes, thank you for sharing your story. And I hopefully it will motivate people to think about preteens and teens and sibling groups, then also understanding it might not work out with the picture you're originally thinking, but to just keep going and keep pushing through. 
I hope you enjoyed Kristen's story. If it's motivated you to think about adopting older kids, please feel free to message me and ask any questions. In the meantime, make sure you get your tickets to the Together for Adoption Fostering Canadian Conference. It'll be held in Waterloo, Ontario, and both Leslie and I will be there and we'll both be speaking. We can't wait to meet you. Link to that will be in the show notes. All right, that's this week's show from Gifts from God, and we will see you next week.